Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in our program, we look at the new REPS scheme, the Agri-Environment Climate Measure, AECM. Also, we preview the upcoming Sheep Open Day planned for Athen Rye next Saturday. We broadcast part one of a two-part interview with Dr. Liam Downey, Director of Chagask, 1994-2001. to Dr. Downey discusses his new book, which he's co-authored, entitled Historical Irish Dairy Products. Next, AECM, the Agri-Environment Climate Measure, being called the new reps. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Declan O'Brien, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Declan, welcome to the programme. After a long wait, and of course still, you will find uh, reservations perhaps about it, but could you please give an update on what's known about what we'll call the new reps, the Agri-Environment Climate Measure, AECM, but we'll talk about the new reps. So what do we know about this, um, Declan? Well... It had been expected, um, John, that the, um, that the new reps would be launched in October. But at last week's INHFA AGM in Cavic on Shannon, the Minnesota indicated that um, applications for the new scheme will be open in a matter of weeks. He said that he was hoping, despite the fact that Ireland's cap strategic plan hasn't got the green light off Brussels yet, but that he was hoping to open up the all the cap schemes for or most of the cap schemes, sorry, for applications this summer. So it looks like it's going ahead. It's certainly going ahead. And um, given that there's room in the scheme for up to fifty thousand farmers, it's going to be good news across the farming community. And there's going to be no shortage of applications when the department actually announced that applications for the scheme are open. The European Commissioner for Agriculture, Janusz Wojciechowski, in Dublin recently gave the impression that, you know, there would be a little bit of leeway as regards the requirements for the next uh, cap. Now, the reps AECM, we'll call us also the Agri-Environment Climate Measure AECM. Do we know what the total budget for the AECM scheme will be over the lifetime of the next cap, that's 2023 to 27 inclusive, or how much a year will be available for this uh, new reps, we call it? Well, they're talking on, if you're talking global figures, you're talking 1.5 billion or 300 million a year for the term of the um, next cap. Um, now, the INHFA at the, at the, the AGM were looking for more. They say that the scheme as it is um, set up at the moment of proposed scheme would take in about 50,000 farmers and they, they were saying 
look at there's potential to get as many as 70,000 in. Um, and they're saying it should be co-funded to a higher level by the government and and are looking for a hun- an, an extra 150 million. But as the scheme stands, it's 300 million a year for five years, or 1.5 billion. They're expecting um, 50,000 farmers to gain access. Um, that is um, 30,000 on a general entry and 20,000 others through the cooperative route where that's targeted at farmers who have commonage, commonage areas. So the payment levels per farmer are generally the maximum payment will be 7,300. For those in high priority areas and in the, in, um, the cooperative or commonage areas, it could go as high as 10,500. But farmers are saying that it will take a lot of investment to get those level of payments because the payments are graduated on a, a scorecard system. And that came in for a lot of criticism at, at the INHFA AGM. But how that system will work is still up for discussion, although you get the feeling that the department have more or less this package nearly sorted. On the CAP strategic plan, the straws in the wind within the industry would say that the CAP package will only be tweaked and will only need to be tweaked at this stage, that it has more or less been given the green light by Brussels and they expect it to be rubber stamped by the Commission and the authorities in DG Agri in September. And people can build on that as another income stream or another reassurance. But again, taking into account the reservations expressed at the Irish Natura and Hill Farmers Association, AGM by HFA, to the Minister, this is something we have to handle carefully. But it does appear overall to be extremely welcome by the farming community and rural Ireland in general. Yeah, I think it's good news for farmers, John. The department wouldn't be going ahead with applications unless they were very confident that this scheme is largely meeting the requirements of Brussels. The fact that they're opening a number of the CAP schemes this summer is an indication of the confidence that they have. There's only going to be minuscule changes to their overall strategic plan. And I think, as I say, they would not be going ahead if they were not confident that, that these measures met the requirements of Brussels. And I suppose for people who remember the original reps, um, the first uh, reps, etc., this, of course, will not be measuring up to the original reps, but nonetheless, in this current climate with so much uncertainty, a definite uh, lifeline to the future of agriculture and, indeed, rural Ireland. Yeah, well, if you look at it, John, if there's an average annual payout of 300 million and there's 50,000 applicants, that means 6,000 per applicant. So if for those who get into the scheme, and it will be primarily dry stock farmers, that's 6,000 euros. Now, now the, the, as always, the devil is in the detail in, in these schemes and that the will investment will be needed by the farmer. But still, if if the if the average payment is five to six thousand euros, you know, as I say, nobody is going to walk up and hand it to you. So 
So I'd say farmers will be keen to get involved. This will be linked to, to various environmental measures that might include, at the extreme end, rewilding or reintroducing animals or the type of um, re-wetting of land, which you know farmers in previous years, uh, for generations, they tried to drain land to get more land for livestock. But of course, we must um, temper any of our great optimism about the new reps by saying that, of course, there will be certain responsibilities, not least, of course, the re-wetting, very controversial in some areas. At the IMHA field conference, there was a real issue of contention as well as the rewilding issue. And their members were very much of the view that if you want these severe designations and rewilding strategies to to work, then you're going to have to limit those to state lands, limit it to Quilcher lands, to Bordnamona lands. The measures that are being sought as part of the new reps, as we say, stuff like peatland drain blocking, uh, water retention measures, there will be floodplain management control bombing, fire breaks in commonage areas. They are new measures. They will be there will be a lot of new measures in them. So and a lot of measures directed at protecting biodiversity. So expect to see more of the Hinhario measures coming down the line, you know, protection of carbon rich soils protection for migratory birds, a lot more bird monitoring, protection of archaeological monuments, dry stone wall maintenance, which would hark back to the reps itself, you know, pond creation, woodland coppices. So it is um, also the clearing and the maintenance of, the, of invasive species. So... It is a mix of practices there and, and a lot of practice, practices that farmers wouldn't heretofore have been used to. But then on the other side of that, you have the financial payout. Now, farmers will make their own decisions on whether it's, it's worth their while entering this scheme or not. But it, it will be interesting to see I would say that they will have no problem getting the 50,000. Whether that 50,000 is on the part-time farmer side of the house or whether it crosses into some commercial dry stock farmers is yet to be seen. Carrying out measures that will help stem climate warming, but most important, can people earn a living? Can they keep a family? So all in all, with discussions... This could be and should be a very good move and keep everyone more or less happy. But like all these things, no one gets exactly fully what they want. Thank you, Declan. Mr. Declan O'Brien, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. And we remind our listeners that in the journal of Saturday, 11th of June, 2022, you, Declan, and your colleagues have set out an extremely detailed set of maps and articles telling people what's known about the new reps at the moment. Declan, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John.
Dairy farmers in Northern Ireland, in addition to processors in the Republic, are deeply concerned about the potential consequences of the UK government breaking the terms of the European Union GB protocol on Northern Ireland. 800 million litres of milk from Northern Ireland moves to the Republic for processing annually, and 100 million litres of Northern Ireland liquid milk is sold in the Republic of Ireland retail shops and outlets. IFA Animal Health Chairman Mr TJ Maher has welcomed progress by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine towards reducing the VAT rate on non-oral vaccines to 0%. He says the objective to provide this from 2024 is the first time a target date has actually been set and it's important this objective would be delivered on. He pointed out the current VAT rate is 23%. With farmers spending in excess of €40 million Euro annually on vaccines alone, this could result in savings of over €10 million Euro to farmers. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, has announced the commencement of the 15% balancing payments to all eligible farmers under Year 5, 2021, of the Sheep Welfare Scheme. The scheme is co-funded by the European Union as part of Ireland's RDP Rural Development Programme for the years 2014 to 2022 inclusive. The rollout of these balancing payments, worth about €2 million, brings the total amount paid to 18,100 farmers under the Sheep Welfare Scheme for 21 to €18 million, providing, the Minister pointed out, a significant financial boost to individual farmers to the sheep sector in general and the wider rural economy. The 85% advance payments issued to eligible farmers in November 2021. The Minister concluded by urging farmers, without sending queries, to respond to the Department immediately in order to facilitate payment. Payments will continue to issue on an ongoing basis as eligibility is confirmed for farmers without standing queries. On 7th of June, the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine advised that notifications for the preliminary checks under the 2022 BPS Basic Payment Scheme are now issuing to farmers. Preliminary checks will identify any overclaims, overlaps or dual claims in respect of online BPS applications. Notifications are issued where the department finds such an error on the farmer's 2022 BPS application. The notification allows the farmer the opportunity to rectify these issues without any penalty being paid. ICSA Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham has described the decision by Board Planola to grant planning to the Banneher Chilling Meat Processing Plant as a victory for common sense. He said this planning process for the meat plant in question had dragged on for years now. Thankfully, common sense has prevailed and some badly needed competition can hopefully be brought into the beef sector in a relatively small way at first. IFA President Tim Connell said the new agri-environment scheme is far from being in Europe's. He contended the government and the minister had been trying to spin this as a reps-type scheme since it first appeared in the programme for government. However, he said, it had little or nothing in common with the original Rural Environmental Protection Scheme reps. Mr Connell said, since the original reps, we've had EOS and GLOS. Each, he felt, had seen more compliance and less income for farmers. This new scheme, he felt too, was extremely complicated. It would, he felt, exclude many farmers and huge amounts of funding would leak to people running the cooperation model. Commenting on the review of carbon targets, 
Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association President Mr Dermot Keller said Ireland's sectoral targets need to get balance right between what's achievable in emissions reductions and the need to protect quality food production. He said the livestock sector is committed to using all available technologies to reduce emissions, but it would be, he claimed, insanity to export our emissions to outside the European Union, making the EU more vulnerable to import dependency. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep Knowledge Transfer Programme at Chagask. First of all, Michael, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event is upcoming. Our Chagask Sheep Open Day taking place, so it's on uh, next Saturday, the 18th of June, um, and it's on in the the Chagask Research Centre in Athenry. So that's just off the motorway, and it'll be signposted from there. So anyone that's, that's heading up that direction, head for, for, for Galway and turn off for Athenry, um from this neck of the woods, that's the easiest way to get there. And uh, it, it's very central, I suppose, and easy to get to. So the event is, is basically a technical sheep open day. So it's of interest to anyone who's interested in sheep farming or involved in sheep farming or, or the wider industry around that area. And I suppose what it consists of is... Um, a series of, of main technical stands. So we've got um, four main technical stands. So that they cover the area of sustainable systems. So that's things like um, clover and companion forages to enhance animal performance and also to, to kind of deal with some of the economic and environmental challenges that people are facing. Okay, so we, we know that, you know, things like clover reduce the amount of nitrogen we need to spread and that, that's good from a financial point of view because fertilizers are very expensive. But it's also very good from from an environmental point of view. Um, we have a second area then that we're looking at is the whole area of breeding, and in particular with a focus of breeding on on for longevity and for maternal characteristics. So that's basically looking at you know how can we breed better yolks, yolks that are going to last longer in the system, um, and so it's going to be an update on the research there um, that's being carried out both by ourselves in Chagas but also by Sheep Ireland. Um, we have another area then on flock health, which is focusing very much on, on parasites and the parasite challenge. Um, you know, so in the sheep industry, I suppose, we have for a long number of years now been facing increased level of anthelmintic resistance. Um, and it's, we're going to talk to people about that and, and the actions that they can take to, to mitigate that or to reduce the speed at which that progresses on their farm. And lastly, the main um, technical area is going to be around hill sheep. So that will be particular interest to people from West Cork, where a lot of people are involved in, in hill sheep um, farming. And, and that's looking at the kind of ongoing research results there that we have from both the trials in Athenry, where we're finishing hill lambs um, on various different diets and forages, but also from, from some of the programs that were, were, were evolved around the country, in particular in the Better Farm program. So there'll be an opportunity there for people to, to, to view the research, to interact with our researchers, our students and our technical staff. And then I suppose in addition to the, the kind of main technical stand, we also have a series of workshops and demonstrations. So these are kind of more hands-on, um, one-to-one, or us dealing with smaller groups of, of people. So my colleagues in, in advisory and research have, have set up a number of these, these um, workshops and demonstrations where we'll be dealing with smaller numbers of people and, and, and people can interact with them. And the areas we're covering there are, are grass and forage. So we have some demonstrations on clover incorporation into grassland um, and also some grassland management tips in terms of maximizing growth. And we'll also have 
uh, a clinic there where we'll be looking at at fertilizer and silage budgets um, and costs for with people. So if people are, are concerned about that, that they don't have enough silage or won't be able to make enough silage this year, or if they're concerned in general about you know um, the, the, the the rising input costs, in particular around those areas of fertilizer um, and then or staff will be there to to help people um, to advise them and to go through some figures with them to do a little bit of number crunching. Um, we also have a, a workshop uh, demo on the whole area of breeding. Um, so that's kind of more or less focusing on the indexes, the Sheep Ireland indexes that are there and what they mean for people. And then we have a workshop on health and flock health. And again, that's focusing very much on that whole area of antimentic resistance. So it'll be just showing people how to take samples and, you know, what are the issues and, and how do you reduce the, the development of resistance on your farm. And, and then lastly, I suppose we have some, some land finishing um, workshops as well, just looking at land finishing and the opportunity for people to meet with some of our better farm participants and hear how, what they're doing on their farm. So all in all, I suppose, John, it's a, it's, it's a, a good day um, out for anyone who's interested in sheep. It's uh, Saturday the 18th of June, so it's next Saturday. 10 a.m. starts, so arrive anytime after 10 a.m. And, you know, there's a there's a good few hours of um, action there for people, I suppose, to, to participate in, to, to view those technical stands and to participate in the workshop. Can you just go along on the day, or should you really register in some way? No, so it's turn up on the day, and there's no charge. So anytime um, from 10 o'clock onwards, um, people can just turn up on the day. So we have plenty of parking there and we have people to direct people in and and explain to people what's going on and where to go and there'll be catering and food and all that um, kind of stuff there as well for, for people just to make sure that they're looked after in terms of their, their you know food and, and drink needs. Um, so yep, just turn up on the day, 18th of June, anytime after 10am and we'll be probably finishing up around 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Well, that sounds fine. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Michael Godstein, Head of Sheep Knowledge Transfer with Chagask. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Dr. Liam Downey, Director of Chagas from 1994 to the year 2001. We're speaking to Dr. Downey regarding his book, which he co-authored, a very interesting book, a fascinating book entitled Historical Irish Dairy Products. Dr. Downey, can I ask you, what inspired you to write this book? And uh, I believe it was co-authored. Yes, the authors are Dara Downey, my daughter, and Derry O'Donovan, uh, who was an agricultural graduate, spent his life working with the Bank of Ireland. And uh, what inspired me to do it is I always had an interest, uh, even though I was a scientist by background, I always had an interest in the historical side of agriculture. And probably I got that from my grandmother, who used to talk to me about bog butter and all that sort of stuff when I, when I was very young. And you look at the historical transformation of Irish agriculture. Fascinating, the historical transformation of Irish agriculture. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And the diets, the limited but very healthy, relatively healthy diets of Irish people then. Well, the transformation of Irish agriculture is very interesting in some ways in that it was very uniform from prehistoric times up to the time when we imported the potato, when we brought in the potato in the 1600s. In brief, from early medieval times, from the time of St. Patrick, it was very, very, very much daring and very, very much cereals. The daring continued at a great rate the whole time, but the cereals was affected and enhanced by the arrival of the monastic orders in the 1200s, they were, in a way, the kind of original taggers. They were very technically competent and brought in technology from the continent. And uh, the other big change in the uh, cereals, more in the crops, was when the potato was import, brought into Ireland from Peru and grown initially in Cork, incidentally, about the 1600s. But the thing about Irish agriculture is that it was very, very constant from the time of St. Patrick up to the time of the potatoes, daring and, and, and cereals. On the front of the book, the front cover, dust cover illustration, is a map of County Cork from 1708 from Dutch sources in the Netherlands. You might describe that map. It's very picturesque and it's fascinating to see as early as 1708 the reputation of Irish agriculture, specifically the dairy sector and cheese. So describe that uh, County Cork map on the front of the historical Irish dairy products book. 
Well, I'm delighted you mentioned that because I think it is one of the features of the book. In brief, the whole story of the book is on that front cover. And what it shows is how important Deering was in Cork in the 1700s. It is very important that you said 1708. That's the date, I think, of it. But the important thing is that's a long, long time before the establishment of the famous Cork Butter Exchange. And now what it shows, if you look at the map, over by about the owl, it shows a woman milking a cow in a corner of a field. A little bit over towards Middleton, it shows a woman churning butter with a dash churn, which was the old traditional form. Come over to where Cork City is, and you'll see two women sitting down, putting the butter into firkins for export, and right alongside of them are the merchants who were buying the butter and exporting it. Now, all that exportation of butter depended on one thing, on the availability of salt, so as to preserve the butter, and that salt had to be available on farms, and how it was made available is an interesting question, because it was a very expensive commodity, but one way or the other, it was salt enabled that whole export exportation. Without salt, there would be no butter, butter markets, and in fact, there might be no creameries. Now, we know well there was a butter market, the famous butter market in Cork City, and the Butter Road and place names like Carraganima, Rock of the Butter, etc., yeah. etc. Et but indeed, there is a long history of development in the Irish dairy sector over the, over the years. But as we come to more recent times, the name of Mitchellstown Agricultural Cooperative Society, the name of Mitchellstown Agricultural Cooperative Society Limited and Dairy Gold and Mr. Tom Welton, they figure very prominently from 1919 onwards to very, very recently and indeed to the present-day connection and incorporation of Mitchellstown Agricultural Cooperative Society Limited into the Dairy Gold family cooperative. Well, yes, Mitchellstown was, I suppose... It's no exaggeration to say was the lead co-op in Ireland for a very long time. And the greatest seat to still a co-op, really. But what Mitchestown had, really, which, what any successful business required, first of all, it had some very, very good managers. I can't remember the name of the initial manager at the moment is mentioned in the book. But when I was in Moorpark during the 50s and 60s, they had a manager, a manager John McCarthy, who was seriously knowledgeable in cheese. And he was an Irish speaker, for that matter. Now, we had a lot to do with him. And we had a lot to do with Tom Welton that you mentioned. And uh, But I think that the f- main contribution of Mitchestown in terms of innovation was the making of processed cheese. We all heard of Mitchestown, the, the uh, country of Golden Vale, and Mitchestown, the, all the cheese that was associated with it in the sponsored program. And um, they made processed cheese from a very early stage, really, and that was a big innovation. And I think another big innovation, and uh, Tom Walton, I think, was involved in this, was the making of dairy gold. Uh, that was more recent in the 80s, I think. But that was a big development, and that product is still on the shelves in Ireland. And I think they were too really outstanding innovations by Mitchellstown. But Mitchellstown always 
was a powerfully serious innovation-driven cooperative. And indeed, it's uh, just right that you should mention Mitchellstown Agricultural Cooperative Society's role in producing, for the first time, unique dairy products. We might, at this stage, before we forget it, give due credit to Chogask. Chogask, of course, Chogask sponsored this book, Historical Irish Dairy Products, the book you wrote with uh, your daughter, Dara Downey, and uh, Derry O'Donovan. Without the sponsorship of Tagus, it would never have happened. And uh, great credit has to go to the former director of Tagus, Professor Jerry Boyle, and he gave us every piece of support that we needed. And there's no doubt in the wide earthly world about that. Now, uh, more uh, on Tagus, or indeed on Forest Aluntus that preceded it, made a huge contribution to the dairy industry at that time. This, it's no exaggeration to say I arrived in Moor Park with a lot of other scientists, really. We had been trained abroad in the 1960s and 70s to start up the research on food research. The agricultural research was already well established, but they were only starting on, on food research and on dairy product research. And it's no exaggeration to say that we didn't have any information whatsoever about the keeping quality of Irish dairy products at that time, how long they lasted, what determined how long they lasted, how you could overcome the shortcomings. And there was extensive research done in Park in conjunction with UCC, and over a 10-year period, we established the keeping quality of all of the Irish dairy products, and I believe firmly that that was the biggest contribution that Park made to the dairy industry, and I have no doubt it provided the foundation for the quality control systems that were subsequently employed in the dairy industry. We know, Dr Downey, that butter was often preserved in the bogs, and butter, hundreds of years old, has been retrieved from the bogs, but a drinking vessel, or possibly a container for butter, which was retrieved in recent years, that, in fact, I believe, inspired a sporting trophy. We, that's um, Park and UCC, Professor Chris in at UCC and uh, Professor Catherine Staunton in, in Vermont. We all did a big project, I suppose it's 20 years ago now. There was 300, 400 samples of bog butter which farmers had dug up while they're cutting turf and nearly nothing was known about them. And we set out to do uh, research on them. Now we did a lot of things, but in particular we dated the butter. And we showed that the butter, that over half the samples, dated to the Iron Age or the Bronze Age. But the thing you're touching on there is very interesting. About 10 or 20% of the samples were in timber containers. And in the book, there's a photograph of the timber container, and standing alongside it is the McCarthy hurling cup. And in form and in shape, they're identical. As everyone knows, and Cork would like to know a bit more in the future, the McCarthy Hurling Cup, if you put it down the ground and look into it, it's rectangular, a square, not circular. It has a big handle on each corner. And, st- and if you had a copy of the container that the butter was found in, it's exactly the same. And I believe that the McCarthy Cup was modelled on that. But let me tell you something very peculiar about bog butter which I can't fully understand. 
What county would you think has the highest amount of bog butter samples, and what county do you think has the lowest? Well, we first of all come to the highest, County Mayo, and what county would you think has the lowest? County Cork, famous for daring. I don't understand why that's so. There's still a lot of controversy in Mallow and areas which grow sugar beet or grew sugar beet on a large scale. The closure of the Irish Sugar Company. Now, the Irish Sugar Company, you might just look back on sugar refining when the Irish Sugar Company was set up and some notable achievements you give great cover to the Irish Sugar Company and its achievements, even though technically, of course, it's not the dairy industry. Well, about the sugar company, I did an article on that for Archaeology Ireland about five years ago. And I think that the closure of the Irish Sugar Company was one of the biggest tragedies in in the food industry in my time. I have no doubt whatsoever. You have no idea whatsoever how technically competent the sugar company was. They had outstanding engineers. In fact, I might as well tell you, when we were at, when I was in Unforest Aluntas, the sugar company were at their peak at that stage, and they were keeping a certain amount of pressure on us. They were so good, and I think that the loss of the sugar company was, in fact, enormous tragedy for Ireland, and its closure is something that I have never understood or could never condone. And that's something which, of course, would uh, echo very strongly in the Mallow area in particular, and indeed all those areas which grew sugar to think it would be closed down and demolished. Whereas in Finland, they had an opportunity to close their factory there and hand over to West Indian production, but instead they got a subsidy of something like €9 million to expand uh, rail and road connections into their sugar-making Well, I have no doubt that the sugar company should not have been closed down. I am certain about that. In fact, you know, uh, very quickly in the article I did, it was set up, and in a very, very short time, it was able to supply the butter requirements of Ireland during the war. That was an amazing achievement, right? No, it was a very impressive organisation. Shouldn't have been closed down. Please tell our listeners how they can obtain a copy of your book, even if it's not in their local bookshop. Have you a website or details of the Irish publisher? Yeah. Um, It's in uh, quite a number of the better uh, bookshops around the country, but it can't be in all of them. And it was published by Wordwell Books. And the easiest way to get a copy of it is from the internet, from Wardwell Books. And um, their email address is wardwellbooks, all one word, wardwellbooks.com, wardwellbooks.com. And it's, I think, about 25 euros or something like that. But um, that's the simplest way of getting it. Dr. Liam Downey, Director of Chagask from 1994 to 2001. 
adjunct professor of archaeology at UCD and also of biology at Maynooth University. You've also published many, many scientific papers, which you've just briefly alluded to, and you've also been published in international journals, and you've also produced The Antiquities of Rural Ireland. If people want to find out more about the book we've been talking about, Historical Irish Dairy Products, that website is www. Wordwellbooks, all one word, dot com, all lowercase. That's W O R D W E L L B O K S, Wordwell Books. So I think, uh, Dr. Downey, thank you very much for your valuable time, and we hope you have a very fruitful uh, response to all the very wise things you've been saying there. So, Dr. Downey, thank you very much indeed. Not at all. It's my pleasure entirely. Thank you. You're very welcome. The second part of our interview with Dr. Liam Downey will be broadcast next Saturday morning. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Stephen O'Sullivan, Dry Stock Advisor with the Chocoscoffice Corona Skibberine in the west of the county. Stephen, welcome to the programme. Before we start talking about other aspects of our interview, I understand you may have some very important announcements that our listeners will be interested in, in particularly in the West Cork area. First of all, there, the Chagas West Cork part-time green Turk course information evening is planned for for 7pm on the 21st of June at the Chagas office in Mokroom. The course dates, content and also the benefits for discussion there will be on hand. So further details there, can, if you contact the Chagas Mokroom on 026-41604. Also, um, the National Dairy Council Kerrygold Milk Quality Farm Walk is on the farm of Michael, Marietta and Alex McCarthy, Kilmurray, Fina, Kilmallock, County Limerick. The air code there is V35RF70 on Wednesday, the 15th of June at 1pm. And for that particular event, all farmers are welcome. Also on Saturday, June the 18th, the Chagas National Sheep Open Day will be held in Chagas, Attenroy, and that event will start at 10am. So they are the announcements that I have for this week, John. Stephen, could I just please check on one item there? In the NDC Kerrygold's Milk Quality Farm Walk, what time is that? It's on Wednesday, 15th of June. Is it at 1 o'clock or 1.30? It's at 1.30 p.m. As we're currently in the second week of June, our attention must turn to flock health and grassland management on sheep farms. Now, grassland management and flock health go hand in hand to ensure a good daily live weight gain on your lambs. What aspects of flock health in lambs should a farmer or must a farmer take into consideration at this time of the year, Stephen? We're in the second week of June at the moment. So the main thing there for lambs especially is the treatment of nematodirus in lambs is critical at this time of the year. The treatment should be given to lambs at about 5 to 10 weeks of age. So now is the ideal time for the treatment of any um, April-born lambs that farmers have. Nematodirus is um, the first worm that affects young lambs. It is usually carried out from the previous year on grassland. Um, It is triggered by uh, cold weather followed by a warm spell of weather. The main symptoms are diarrhoea, dehydration, wasting, and unfortunately, in in extreme cases, there is mortality. 
Now, of course, looking to treatment, uh, Stephen, is there a best method of treatment to make sure you get a really effective uh, result? So what would the best method of treatment be? So for lambs there with metadiris, the best method of treatment would be a ice warm drench, which is known as a benzamol. The reason this is there is that there is a resistance to other worms, such as round worms, for example, but for this particular product, there is no resistance to nematodiris. Um, also, there, white worm drenches have an advantage of being among the cheaper of the warm doses out there. A very important point in these times when everything is very, very expensive or even more expensive than it used to be. Now, Absolutely. Stephen, we turn to another aspect of things. After the lambs have been treated with a white wormer, can the infection reoccur, I wonder? Yeah, the reinfection can reoccur again, and lambs may require further treatment um, at two to three week intervals. Um, lambs will get immunity from nematuris once they come in contact with it, and it, and it will not be of significant importance from midsummer onwards. At this point, strongi uh, worms will be more more ineffective parasites and they will need to be treated. Can nematodiris be confused with another disease in lambs at the moment? It can. Um, coccidiosis in lambs can also be confused with nematuritis as those two diseases um, have very similar s- uh, symptoms. Lambs with coccidiosis will also exhibit acute diarrhea but this may be accompanied with a black bloody scour. Coccidiosis can be suspected if scouring is still occurring after you've treated your lamb for nematodiris. Coccidiosis will require a different control and education. Now, your clients, um, a big issue in June with your sheep clients would be the blowfly strike. How can farmers control this blowfly strike in their flocks? June is a very high risk period for blowfly strike. The most commonly effective areas where fly strike occurs in sheep is around the tail and especially where the wool becomes soiled with faeces and urine. Castration, tail wounds, clipping wounds, head wounds on fighting rams or any open open wound will attract flies especially if it is infected by bacteria. Now so much for treatment of course very important to have the right uh, treatment but Ideally, how could a farmer prevent blowfly striking in the first place? The first thing there would be regular monitoring of your flock is important to identify symptoms of blowfly strike, which include agitation, matted or discoloured wool. Another symptom would be a distinctive smell. So there are a number of methods of preventing blowfly strike in, in sheep. One of those methods there is preventative porons. So the two main um, preventative porons there are insect growth regulators and insectual cyberactin. So first of all there, insect growth regulator has a withdrawal period of between 7 to 40 days, which basically stops the first stage of the larvae from developing into a destructive second stage larvae. And so prevent the disease by breaking the cycle of the blowfly. The second type of poron then is your insectoral cybermectin. The second type of poron for the prevention of blowfly striking sheep are intersexual cybermectin based pro- products. 
these basically treat and prevent hoof strike. Make sure to choose a product suitable suitable for your sheep production system with consideration for withdrawal periods of cover and the need for repeat applications. So they are the type of porons that are there for preventing blowfly striking sheep. The other option that farmers have is plunge dipping sheep. Um, so plunge dipping is also an effective method of ectoparasite control. However, if using this method, consideration should be given to the plant disposable and used sheep dip, which contains extremely toxic chemicals. Sheep should be immersed in the dipping tank for at least one minute. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Stephen O'Sullivan, Dry Stock Advisor with Chagask Corona Skibbereen in County Cork in the west of the county. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and to Mairead Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.